Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Rundown, the definitive healthcare law podcast for healthcare companies and practitioners. I'm your host, Matt Ulrich, a healthcare attorney at the law firm of Kaplan and Ernest in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. Um, how's that sounding? All right, here we go. On October 26, 2017, I caught up with Bob Rowland, a new addition to our healthcare law team at Kaplan and Ernest. We are very happy to have Bob as part of our team now as he has a great amount of experience of working as an in-house counsel for large healthcare systems and also a lot of experience working with a multitude of different providers across the healthcare spectrum. Today we're talking about Rule 800. Hey Bob. Hey Matt, it's glad to be with you. Thanks for joining us today and thanks for uh, thanks for uh, being willing to talk about this topic. I think it's uh, very interesting. Uh, especially with all the recent changes that I know we'll get into. But um, so we'll just jump into it here. Um, and uh, like I said, we're talking about Colorado Medical Board Rule 800 today. Um, so we're just going to start the very basic <laughs> overview. What is what is Rule 800? Yeah, I mean, that's a good place to start. Um, rule 800 is uh, a, a, a rule of the Colorado Medical Board. So when we say Rule 800, we're talking about um, a rule of the medical board. It is the rule that governs physician delegation and supervision of services to unlicensed healthcare providers. Um, it's been common practice uh, for a number of years for physicians to delegate uh, the performance of certain services uh, to individuals who do not have a, a medical license specifically. And, uh, and also who are not otherwise licensed to perform whatever service that's being delegated. So the problem would arise if, if, if those individuals were performing those services without a license, um, that could potentially be the unlicensed practice of medicine, which is a big no-no under Colorado law. Um, and so Colorado law allows and I should say many others, virtually every other state, if not all of them, also allow physicians to delegate uh, services to avoid that kind of um, problem. The authority uh, for the delegation uh, comes from the Colorado statutes, um, and the statutes specifically allow um, rendering of medical services um, by qualified persons under, and th- this is the statutory language, the personal and responsible direction and supervision of a physician who is licensed in Colorado. So, um, the dele- you know, for those interested, the delegation statute is found in the Colorado Revised Statutes 1236-106. Um, that's the statute, and the statutes are obviously created through the legislative process, so it's not created by the medical board. Um, the medical board is, like many other administrative agencies, uh, tasked with uh, taking the intent of the legislature and uh, task uh, and uh, uh, translating that into practical rulemaking. Um, that can be administered by that given agency, in this case, the medical board. So uh, the medical board created what's been come, what, what has been become known as Rule 800. Um, the rule was created in 2002, but it has been modified and expanded, you know, from time to time since then. 
and the most recent revision was June of this year. Why would why do physicians even delegate services? You know, in the first place, it's a great question. Um, you, typically, it's done for efficiency, um, and for the simple reason that. Um, a physician in an office with a large number of patients just simply can't do every task. Um, if the physician tried to do that, they would only be able to see a limited number of patients and um, it just wouldn't, uh, you know, they wouldn't, would not be able to, to see the volume that most physicians have to see on a day-to-day basis. So physicians are just super busy nowadays and, and, and they just can't get everything done if they need to. And so it's, it's great to be able to do that. So, so what, what kind of some in, in, in terms of that, what kind of services would a physician normally delegate? Sure. Well, if you think about how physician offices uh, work, there are a lot of tasks going on in the office. So you've got everything, I'll just kind of, you know, list, I mean, you've got everything from taking histories and physicals, uh, you've got, um, you know, explanations of treatment and procedures to patients. You have uh, preparation of patients for, you know, a variety of examinations. You've got um, laboratory specimens being collected, lab tests being performed, um, you know, instructions about diets and so forth. You have a lot of things going on. Um, now, importantly, not all of those tasks are um in fact, most of those tasks are probably not medical services under Rule 800. Uh, Rule 800 has a specific definition, uh, which traces back to the the, uh, the statute that we mentioned earlier. But if a task is not a medical service, uh, technically it doesn't need to be delegated by a physician because that's not you know within the scope of Rule 800. Um, so, for example, there's some things that are just clearly not medical services. For example. Uh, if if a if an individual is just tra- if it's just communicating a physician's message to another, sort of passing through a message from a physician to a patient, that's not typically considered a medical service. Um, also, just simply collecting data from a patient, uh, such as patient history, is not typically considered uh, a medical service. Measuring vitals, um, phlebotomy, which is the you know withdrawing blood. Those are all things that are not typically considered medical services. Uh, and there's a bunch of other exceptions, too. Um, but the services that do fall under medical services uh, in Rule 800, and, for example, that's going to be things like um, may, you know, maybe assisting the physician during an exam, uh, preparing or administering medications uh, as directed by the physician, um, authorizing prescription refills um, that would likely be considered a medical service, uh, or removing sutures, changing dressings, things like that. These are all things that are likely medical services under Rule 800 and would need to be delegated by a physician. Um, and I should point out here also that Rule 800 also mentions um, what are called uh, medical aesthetic services. And um, so, you know, the fact that the rule specifically mentions that, you know, does highlight that they anticipate that a lot of these services would fall under this category. But but those are services that are within the cosmetic or aesthetic uh, field uh, that, that, you know, are considered the practice of medicine. 
So the rule specifically says there are uh, um, that using certain types of lasers or other devices that um, alter uh, the structural nature of, of human tissue uh, or hair removing hair um, uh, could be considered medical services that require delegation. Uh, and also that would include inje- injecting certain substances um, into the body as part of an aesthetic treatment. That could also be considered a, a service that, that is a medical service that needs to be delegated by a physician. So, Bob, are there any tasks or services that physicians are not allowed to delegate? Yes. Well, there's there's one very big one. Um, Colorado law does not allow physicians to delegate the prescribing of drugs under Rule 800. Um, now, there is an exception um, to this in the rule that allows ordering prescription refills uh, whenever specific rules are followed. Um, for example, the uh the refill has to be at the same dosage, same medication for the patient, uh, and there needs to be a written refill protocol developed uh, and authorized by the physician in advance. Um, and I would also just point out here that physicians do delegate um, prescribing in other instances. For example, um, the Colorado law allows physicians to delegate prescribing to physician assistants. Uh, under a separate board of medicine rule um, and also uh, advanced practice nurses uh, sometimes have authority to prescribe uh, just independently of the board of medicine because it's under the nurse practice act under the board of nursing which is a completely separate statutory authority Um, in terms of other services that physicians are not allowed to delegate uh, rule 800 says that a physician should not delegate any medical service that requires the ex- what they call the exercise of medical judgment by the person to whom delegation is being made. Um, delegated services should be limited to routine technical services that do not require the specialized skills of a licensed physician. That's pretty much the you know verbatim language from the rule. Um, and it's also, I think, important to point out, Matt, that um, delegations under Rule 800 uh, should only be done in the context of a pre-existing physician-patient relationship. Uh, and this is what trips up a lot of physicians, I think, um, because uh, you really uh, the rule anticipate or requires that that there have been um, an initial consultation mm-hmm. uh, with the patient and then that relationship already established. So it's not as though the the delegatee <laughs> is uh, is free to just sort of start an independent practice under the physician super. That's not the intent of the rule. Right. The intent of the rule is that the physician already has a relationship and there's just certain pieces of that um, re- relationship, namely certain services that are going to be delegated to uh, unlicensed individuals. That makes a lot of sense. And but are, so I was thinking, as, as you were saying that, are there any are there other requirements? Are there any requirements for a physician to be allowed uh, to delegate medical services? Yes, um, there are a number of uh, requirements, and so 
Uh, clearly, not every physician can delegate any medical service. Um, for example, um, the physician has to be, um, and I should say all of this is outlined in Rule 800, the physician has to be qualified uh, through education, training, experience uh, to perform the service himself or herself. So, that, in other words, you can't delegate what you can't do yourself, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which makes sense. Right. Um, the physician has to be actively performing that type of service uh, as part of um, his or her uh, medical practice. Mm-hmm. And um, so, in other words, that service can't only be performed through uh, someone who has been delegated the service. Um, the physician needs to be insured, you know, has professional liability insurance covering the performance of the service. Um, and also, the physician has to be in active practice uh, and uh, also available in the community uh, where the delegation takes place. And that last requirement um, to be available in the community was recently modified in the, I think, uh, I think it was back in June of this year, I said. Uh, previously, the rule was that a physician had to be immediately available uh, to personally consult regarding the patient. Um, The rule is a little more specific now. Um, The rule now states that the physician has to be within the borders of the state of Colorado, so within the state, and also has to be able to promptly and personally uh, consult with or, you know, provide follow-up care uh, to the patient. So Rule 800 doesn't require that the physician's present at all times when the delegated service is being performed. That is correct, yes. Um, and here, you know, we might think about uh, the sort of the medical, the Medicare levels of supervision in a physician office setting. You, uh, you may recall that for billing pur- Medicare billing purposes, we have different levels of supervision. There are three, basically. Uh, First is personal supervision, which means the physician is actually in the same room when the procedure is being done, so um, is personally there supervising. Um, Then there is direct supervision, which means the physician is is in the office suite, but not necessarily in the, the actual room where that procedure is being done. But the physician is immediately available, you know, to provide assistance and direction. Um, and then general supervision um, means that the procedure is furnished just under a physician's overall direction and control, but the physician is not necessarily on, you know, within the room or even in the office suite. Um, and, and so that is general supervision. The type of supervision under Rule 800 is somewhat in between general and direct supervision for Medicare. Mm-hmm. So there's no physical presence uh, required uh, in the office suite, uh, but you know there is this requirement to be within the state of Colorado and also to be available uh, for a prompt consultation. Um, there are uh, certain requirements also that go along with the physician being off-site, for example, there have to be written protocols, uh, written procedure protocols, and written emergency protocols in place prior to any type of off-site delegation under Rule 800. 
So what if the so what if the physician is not on site and also not within the state of Colorado? Yeah. So the rule does allow delegating physicians to use telehealth technology uh, specifically to satisfy that prompt personal consultation requirement. Um, there are a couple of cautions I would point out in the rule. Uh, first of all, as I read the rule, and I think it's very clear that uh, when a physician uses telehealth, he or she still must be within the state of Colorado. So uh, they still have to satisfy that horn of the of the um, requirement. And then secondly, um, Rule 800 specifically states that um, reliance on telehealth can't be the exclusive way in which that delegated or in which that physician supervises that delegated service. So it, it, 100% of the time, the physician cannot be relying on telehealth to supervise and make sure that those, those services are being provided appropriately. The physician needs to be on site periodically when the delegated services are being provided. Um, if a physician knows that he or she is not going to be within the state, um, they have to arrange for another physician to cover. Um, you know, obviously that means the other physician, the covering physician, has to be able to promptly personally attend to the patient. Uh, you know, as if he or she were the you know the delegating physician. And uh, the rule is not really specific about whether the covering physician has to meet all the other requirements that I mentioned earlier, such as education and qualification. And uh, is that covering physician providing that service uh, regularly within his or her practice? The rule doesn't address that. Obviously, it would be preferred um, if the covering physician met all those requirements but the rule doesn't explicitly require it. So. Great. Well, I think this might be a, a good time to take a break. So. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Kaplan and Ernest. Kaplan and Ernest was founded in 1969 on the principles of respect for clients, well-researched legal solutions, a team approach to problem solving, and fair pricing. Today, those principles are alive and well, as the firm provides a broad range of legal services and works with educational institutions, healthcare organizations, large corporations, small businesses, and individuals to help them make informed legal decisions and to thrive. So we've been talking about Colorado Medical Board Rule 800, and I think the next kind of logical question is... um, so who who can physicians delegate services to under under Rule Eight Hundred? Sure. Yeah, and so Rule Eight Hundred, um, you know, for, even from the title, uh, you can tell is focused on physician delegation to unlicensed healthcare providers, which is kind of scary if you think about <laughs> that verbiage. Yeah. But what that simply means is that the 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 delegatee, the person to whom the services are delegated. Um, does not have uh, a medical license and does not have a health-related license that would allow that person to provide that service independently. Um, it doesn't mean that the, that they are not qualified to perform the services. In fact, it means just the opposite because Rule 800 requires certain things 
um, of, a phys- of the delegating physician. Uh, there are a number of steps uh, that a delegating physician has to go through to ensure uh, competency of the delegatee. Um, and this, again, you know, is one of the areas that was recently expanded uh, in the June um, uh, changes to the rule. Uh, so Rule 800 requires that delegating physicians take uh, a number of steps. For example, they have to review educational documents, uh, certificates, you know, degrees, uh, other credentialing data. Uh, that would be relevant, you know, to determining competency. Um, there is an exception in the rule uh, for physicians who work in settings where there might be a credentialing committee, such as at a hospital or a large clinical practice, uh, or if there's a human resources committee. The physician can rely on those types of those two departments to review this type of documentation, but in the absence of those. Uh, it needs to be done personally by the physician. Um, the physician also needs to perform an over-the-shoulder um, direct observation uh, of the of the delegatee actually performing the service, uh, so that um, the delegating physician can, you know, obviously make sure they're competent to perform it. So, are there are there individuals that can't or are not eligible to perform delegated services? Yeah, well, you know, the, um, of course, one category is those who are not competent, but, right. you know, ruling that out, <laughs> um, there are certain individuals who are just simply not eligible to serve as a delegatee under Rule 800. Uh, for example, uh, a physician, a physician assistant or anesthesiology assistant who has some type of licensure problem. So inactive, expired, or revoked, restricted, limited, you know, any kind of licensure problem uh, is uh, is going to uh, exclude that person from being able to be a delegatee under Rule 800. Um, it also includes uh, the, the category of, ex- of uh, those not eligible also includes physicians, physician assistants, uh, anesthesiology assistants, who meet all the requirements for a licensure, but they're just simply not licensed. So it's interesting. I mean, the medical board is is sort of saying here that, you know, if you're even if you're eligible to receive licensure, but you just chose not to uh, be licensed, that's going to exclude you from being uh, a delegatee under Rule 800. So they want you to go through the licensure process Mm -hmm. if you're eligible for it. Um, And also individuals with um, Physician training licenses licenses are not eligible to be uh, delegatees. Um, it's important to know that uh, services by some individuals um, is excluded from delegation under Rule Eight Hundred because those individuals already have the ability to perform the delegated task under their own license. So, for example, you may have um, registered nurses, for example. They are, RNs are generally excluded altogether from Rule 800 because, um, first of all, their services are governed by the Board of Nursing, by the Nurse Practice Act. And so there is a category under the Nurse Practice Act that includes um, delegated medical functions 
that are obviously uh, medical services that are be that are delegated to the RN by a physician, but that is not a that's not a Rule Eight Hundred delegation. That's a that's a Nurse Practice Act delegation. So, um, so you do have those categories of individuals who are just excluded, you know, from Rule Eight Hundred. Yeah. Well, and I, and I know we were talking about this a little bit a little bit before, and we were talking about supervision. Um, but are there specific responsibilities, supervision responsibilities of the delegating physician? I kind of wanted to kind of get back to that a little bit, maybe. Yes, and that that is. I'm glad you raised that, Matt, because that is a that is a very important issue. Um, anytime a physician delegates to another individual, there is a significant amount of responsibility that the that both parties are taking on, but in particular the delegating physician. Um, the delegated because Rule 800 requires that the delegating physician um, provide ongoing inspection, um, evaluation, uh, advice. You know, in, in, in those scenarios, mm-hmm. um, the delegating physician needs to make uh, decisions about um, the necessity for the delegation, the type of service that is being delegated, the method, how the treatment is being done. Mm-hmm. Um, there are requirements that the delegating physician do inspections to make sure that uh, directions are being followed and those need to be done, you know, on a periodic, a reasonable periodic basis. Um, this, the quality of the services obviously need to be monitored by the, the delegating physician and I mean, just overall, the delegating physician just needs to provide personal and responsible direction yeah. and supervision, yeah. and so um, that all you know needs to be done within generally accepted standards of medical practice in the community. Um, but you know, that is a those are big responsibilities mm-hmm. for you know um, for the delegating physician. Yeah. Um, specifically, the rule states that uh, physician review of of the quality of services needs to be done every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's a, you know, it's a pretty specific about the periodic, uh, the timeline for review of, uh, the, um, quality of services. And the rule also requires annual review by the physician of qualifications and competence. Um, and that also includes the over the shoulder piece of that, that I mentioned a moment ago where the physician, you know, observes the, Delegatee performing the service to make sure they're still competent to do it, uh, and all of this stuff has to be appropriately documented, you know, by the physician. Yeah. So what are so are there other requirements under Rule Eight Hundred? Yeah, there are. You know, speaking of documentation, there are a number of documentation requirements, you know, specifically mentioned and required under Rule Eight Hundred. So, for example, um, when a delegating physician will not be personally on site, uh, I mentioned, I think, a moment ago that there are written procedure protocols that are required and written emergency protocols, you know, obviously for dealing with a situation where the physician is not going to be immediately present in the room. And so there are protocols that are required. Um Medical records uh, is another requirement. Um, specifically, the physician has to initial and date um, medical records uh, that contain references to services provided by delegatees. So, 
the physician must show um, that he or she has reviewed the care um, and that, you know, that's on that 14-day timeline. So um, the physician needs to go in the medical records and initial these uh, an initial um indicating that he or she is 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 um, has reviewed the care that's been provided um, another big piece uh, is the written agreement um, so a written agreement is required between the delegating physician and the individual uh, you know to whom the services are delegated um, on the bright side there is a form agreement <laughs> in in rule 800 that is suitable for that purpose. It, you know, it's obviously it could be customized um, to some extent, but right. but um, you know, it's advisable to follow that form. Um, the rule also states that there are a number of things that need to be publicly available regarding the delegated service. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, um, the delegating position. Um, must ensure that on-site and available to the public where the services are provided, there is a list of all the individuals um, to whom the physician is delegating. Uh, and also that it also uh, requires that the written agreement, you know, be included. And basically just a compre- it's sort of a comprehensive list of any service uh, that would be delegated by the physician. So a little bit of record keeping um Required and also just having that 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 information available to the to the public uh, upon request. It's you know it doesn't have to be necessarily published, but it does need to be available upon request. Um, and also, um, delegating physicians must uh, have they must ensure that there's a process for disclosing to patients when the delegating physician will not actively be involved in the delivery of care. So it's, you know, it's one of those things if you're a patient, you go in, um, you, you're going to ex- expect your physician to let you know when the physician is, uh, or when a medical service is being provided by someone who's not a physician. And so, and so the rule takes that into account and does put that requirement on physicians. So we've talked about a lot of, a lot of a lot of different requirements under Rule 800 today, but I think something that people are always concerned about are, are what are the penalties. So if someone violates Rule 800, what, what kind of penalties would they be Would they be looking at? Yeah, I mean, they can be substantial penalties. Um, it's it's uh, you know obviously a rule that the Board of Medicine takes very seriously. Um, and, you know, we can look at both physicians and delegatees separately. So physicians, there are at least a couple of ways that a delegating physician can be subject to penalties. Um, if the physician delegates without following the requirements, obviously, in the rule, uh, that could be a, a, a violation. And also, the rules specifically, you know, I mentioned all the documentation requirements. Um, the rule specifically says that physicians must produce um, requested documents to the Board of Medicine within 30 days. So, for example, uh, the written agreement. You know, the Board of Medicine might um, request that the written agreement between the delegating physician and the uh, delegatee be produced, and so the physician has 30 days to produce that. Mm-hmm. Uh, failure to do that would be a violation. 
Um, and then you've got the category of the, you know, the actual delegatees. And there are several ways they could, you know, potentially violate Rule 800. Um, you know, obviously performing services that have not been delegated. Yeah. You know, you kind of um, service creep. You know, yeah. where they they're providing services that you know are not within the scope of their delegation by the physician. Um, having a license with uh, restrictions. You know, I mentioned there are a number of folks who are excluded from mm-hmm. being able to be delegatees because of licensure issues and you know obviously if those individuals provide those services um that would be a violation of rule 800 and then you know making incorrect um entries on the on patient charts and so forth Mm -hmm. um those potential or potential violations most of these things fall under unprofessional conduct by both you know, the physician and the person to whom the services are delegated. So uh, the penalties, you know, for unprofessional conduct uh, can include everything from just injunction, which means the Board of Medicine can can um, uh, bring a court action just to prevent that service from being done. Uh, but it also extends even to criminal liability. Mm-hmm. So, because unprofessional or the unlicensed uh, practice of medicine uh, is a criminal violation, um, and so obviously that's a serious, serious penalty. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So, I mean, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation today, and I think uh, just to kind of wrap up or to summarize. I mean, if you had some some key takeaways or some 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 general tips and, and things to keep in mind. What, what, what would you kind of, how would you, how would you kind of summarize that for everyone listening? Yeah. Well, this entire area of law is uh, very important. You know, it's, it's very important to understand what a medical service is under Colorado law um, for the simple, if nothing else, for the simple reason that you want to understand if you're, if you're providing a medical service without a license, you're, you know, you're you're potentially committing a criminal act. Um, it's also important to know um, which services require licensure or delegation by a physician. And you know, obviously, there are a lot of healthcare settings: hospitals, physician offices, clinics, uh, the spa. You know, the cosmetic kind of aesthetic spas I mentioned earlier. There's a variety of different settings for healthcare. And the, all types of services are being provided in those things. And so it's simply a necessity to understand whether those services on a very discrete level are technically medical services under the Colorado statutes and Rule 800. Um, rule 800 specifically uh, is an important rule for physicians who delegate services to you know, unlicensed individuals. Um, and it's also important to, for those individuals who have been delegated those services to understand there are nuanced requirements. You know, as we've kind of gone through in the in the in the podcast today, um, there are nuanced requirements and there are significant penalties that can attach if uh, the rules are not followed. So we advise rule, you know, reviewing this rule very carefully um, for any type of uh, physician or practice setting. Um, and we advise ruling, uh, reviewing it with legal counsel, uh, you know, to um, ensure that there is, um, 
you know, clarity uh, regarding the requirements of the rule and just making sure that, you know, in the unlikely event, although possible event, that, you know, there's an inquiry by the Board of Medicine that you're, uh, you know, prepared to do that and, yeah. and, and meeting their requirements. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, we really appreciate it. You bet, Matt. I'm happy to be with you. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Well, that's our show. Thank you to everyone for listening. For more information, visit us at CELaw.com. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or comments, please feel free to send those along. You can find both myself and the firm at CELaw.com on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Thanks so much. (laughs) Stay tuned for future shows. We have some exciting guests and topics lined up. (laughs) All right. Here we go. (laughs) All right, here we go. I'm going to get better at this, I promise. Okay. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not for the purpose of providing legal advice or legal opinions on specific facts or circumstances. This podcast does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with the listener, and the listener should not act upon the information discussed in this podcast without seeking professional advice. This podcast is not intended to be an advertising or solicitation of legal services. Because this podcast is recorded on a specific date, the information discussed may become outdated by the time the listener has downloaded or listened to it. Lastly, the listener should be aware that laws and regulations are constantly changing and are often different in each state.